Profanity Nation. Yeah, it's the new era of man for some old school fans with a new school brand. We got money on the mic with the plan in hand. And step Pat to his left, they go hand in hand. And to the right, we got Simster, he putting it down. It's the Profanity Nation, we running the town. Yeah, it's the Profanity Nation. Profanity Nation. Welcome to the Profanity Nation podcast, where we are the voice of the professional fan. And today we have an extra special show. But first, let me start by introducing my co-host, of course, Money Mike. How you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm excited about this. I want to hear what really happened. Right, right. Yeah, we're going to get to the truth, fact or fiction on Winning Time, HBO's huge hit about the Lakers Showtime era in the 80s. Uh, of course, you see Stat Pat can't be with us today. Uh, although he is here in spirit and he has uh, forwarded us some questions that we're going to go ahead and pass along. Uh, but the guest we have today is a super special guest. His name is Ted Dawson. We're going to introduce him, bring him in in just a second. Uh, he was there. We were, he was there when all of this went down. He was there. He was a KCBS uh, sportscaster, uh, newscaster at the time before that as well. Uh, his resume goes well beyond, and we'll talk to him about that. In fact, let's go ahead and bring him on right now. Can we go ahead and get Ted? See here? Let's go ahead and get him on. Hey, there he is. Hey, Ted. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good, good, Ted. How you doing? That, that good. This day. Hey, the most important thing first, though. Okay? Yes. Let's go. Have you called your mother on Mother's Day? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, I have to do that first, man. I'm going to tell you, man. Mother's Day is you have to make your rounds all the time. Absolutely. So already Absolutely. Thing. Thank you so much for reminding us. <laughs> it is a special Mother's Day episode, so that is awesome. Uh, Ted, please, if you can give our viewers a brief rundown of, of your history in the, the broadcasting business and okay. so kind of where you were as it relates to HBO's winning time, that would be great. Well, the interesting thing is I came to Los Angeles with Kareem. We came at the same time uh, when when Los Angeles with the Lakers made the trade uh, with Milwaukee for Kareem uh, was the same year I got there. And uh, the, the, the interesting thing was Chick Hearn had me on as a guest on the very first game. And he asked me, is, is uh, having Kareem on the team going to make a, a difference? Will, will the Lakers win the uh, championship uh, with Kareem? And I said, no, because they still don't have any forwards. And, and Chick looked at me like, how dare you say that? <laughs> Kareem can't win without forwards. It, it turned out he couldn't, even though he had good guards. He, he had no forwards. He had no rebounding help. And so the Lakers couldn't win that year. And it wasn't until they got Magic and some of the rest of the, of the guys that really put the team together. And, uh, and, of course, Jerry Buss didn't own the team then. So uh, that was a huge difference. And when Jerry Buss bought the team, that made a, a huge difference also. But the way they portray it on HBO is just just total BS. Jerry, Jerry uh, Buss was not that kind of guy. He was a very intelligent guy. He was a chemistry professor. He made his money selling uh, uh, chemical uh engineering type things. And then in real estate, that's how he made his money. He wasn't the big buffoon that was just interested in going to bed with young girls that HBO makes him out to be. And certainly the players weren't the, 
just the non-dimensional characters that HBO makes them out to be. Okay, well, yeah. So, I mean, look, I I, I love Jerry Buss. You know, uh, everything he did. I love that he was definitely a visionary. But I mean, for a, a, a regular fan that would kind of be a part-time Laker, you know, history. We saw Jerry. You know, we knew he ha- hang around half, and we knew that. That uh, um, you know, he always had when he when he was playing poker. He always had beautiful women around him. So, you know, are, are you saying that it's it, it's 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 on a scale of one to ten, it probably was a two, but in this in this um, winning time, they have it at a ten. Oh, I, I, it's it's just way overblown. I mean, okay. I, Yes, he was with some young girls, but <clears throat> basically it was because they wanted to be around him. But he had very mature, beautiful women around him. And and uh, he also was a man's man. He liked to be around men. He liked to be around guys. Uh-huh. So, and uh, HBO is, I mean, it's just so Hollywood. It's just awful. And the way they the way they portray Kareem is criminal. If I was Kareem, I'd, <laughs> man, I'd. It sounds, it sounds like most of the players, of course, Magic has already come out and been outspoken that he's not watching it. And essentially, it's not uh, a correct portrayal, even though he hasn't seen it. But I guess how can it be, uh, depending on, of course, who they spoke to at the time, which is why we have you on here. Um, one of the people that you brought up in particular was Chick Hearn. And they just kind of got into Chick Hearn and, and showing Chick with Pat Riley and interacting at the time. And uh, again, it shows Chick is a very animated, um, somewhat aggressive, uh, uh, you know, broadcaster. True. Okay, that one it's is like, true. Chick was the kind of guy that would would tell the director how to direct the game. Okay. See, a lot of people don't know that Chick did did the, the play-by-play for both radio and television. So while he was doing the radio play-by-play, he was telling the TV cameras what to, what to shoot. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of unprofessional, quite frankly. But uh, I was a big fan of Chick's play-by-play ability, but I was not a fan of the man. Okay, that that's a yeah. fair assessment. Yeah. So look, I love Chick Hearn. I mean, matter of fact, it, it was ironic enough. Um, uh, I went on my birthday. He died, I think, right around August second or so. But I remember that Staples Center uh, on my birthday. They had the memorial where you was able to walk through Staples. And you know, sit and pass by where you know he used to do all his broadcast games, and everything like that. Right. And to me, my impression of him was always just a fun, loving guy. You know what I mean? Like, no, you know, he came in, seemed like he would be really nice. Uh, uh, you know, he you loved all of his sayings, the uh, slam dunk, you know, refrigerator. You know, you looked into all that stuff. Uh, I watched the majority. I watched him was with you know Stu. And, and their interaction. So I just always knew him to be like a really, really fun guy. But I did know he did used to coach. He did used to be a GM. He did navigate himself in other roads, which I thought was interesting. Yes. And he, he he became a play-by-play announcer. But well, I did you realize I, that Pat Riley was his color man. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. I, I knew that. I I I you know what? I kind of you know I, I was born in '75, so. I really got in right around like maybe 80, you know, right around the first, you know, championship, you know, uh, set, you know, eight, seven, eight years old, you know, 82 was probably right around there. But I think they yeah. already, uh, Pat had already, Pat Riley was a coach by then. 
you know, and, and when I really, really got into, you know, being um, a Laker fan. But, yeah, I, he just seemed to me, like, really fun-loving. But I can imagine when you have a role as, uh, uh, you know, play-by-play versus uh, being a coach or a GM, you your demeanor has to be – you have you, – you're more of an authority figure in, like, coaching a GM. And, you know, you know, so I can – you know, maybe his personality changed from one position to another. What, what, what do you think? You didn't, you didn't cross Chick Hearn. Okay. <laughs> that was, you know, what, if you crossed your curtain, you were off the list. You're off the that's yeah, you don't mess around. Wow. You don't mess around. Now, uh, one of the things also we're of course we're we're still on HBO's winning time here, uh, with our guest Ted Dawson. And uh, you know, the one of the things that stood out to me and actually gave me the thought of having you on the show right away was you did you you actually made a post uh, in regards to the way the show was portraying Jerry West as well. Um, you yeah, had several interactions with Jerry West. Go ahead and tell us some of your history with Jerry West, where that goes back to, and then how that relates to your disagreement with Winning Time's portrayal. Well, <clears throat> I, I I don't know that I had a, a whole lot of interaction with him. I mean, I, I certainly knew him, and we were friends, and we did things. But uh, Jerry was always a consultant. He was never going to be a coach. And they, a lot of people don't know what happened the day – uh, Pat Riley became a coach. And that, of course, after the accident and all, and all that sort of thing, uh, they held this big press conference. We were all there, all the cameras, all the newspaper guys, all this kind of stuff. And Jerry Buss comes out and says, you know, uh, we met, make a change. And uh, we, uh, my, our new coach is Jerry West. And Jerry says, no, it's not. I mean, that's what happened. No, it's not. I'm not the coach. I thought, we, oh, that's that's right. That's right. Pat Riley is the coach. <laughs> that's what happened. He did it on purpose for, for a joke? No, 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 no. Not at all. Oh, wow. But so, it ended up being Westhead, though, right? Like, no. I'm sorry? Oh, you're talking about after. After. Okay. You know, you about, so, so, so are you saying that 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 was the moment that Pat Riley found out he was going to be the coach? I don't know if that's the time he found out but that that's what was announced at the press wow. conference. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, another question. No, Pat, Pat was one of the most knowledgeable guys I ever met. He was really, really smart. Yeah, they haven't, at least on the show yet, they haven't, uh, or maybe they have at this point, um, you yeah. know, gotten into the Pat Riley uh, a little bit deeper. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the whole dynamics, like you said, behind the team, of course, they, they they build it up a little bit for TV and so forth. But but let's get let's get into the players a little bit here. You're talking about Kareem, first off. Uh, of course, uh, your career, and at least uh, arriving in L.A., paired with Kareem's arrival. Right. Um, what what would you say is different? He seems, you know, most of of the the uh, uh, rumors or details about Kareem is that he has been a little bit standoffish against media and so forth. But you know why? He's a that. lot smarter. He's a lot smarter than anybody in the media. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, if not the smartest athlete I've ever met, right up there, one or two. He is incredibly intelligent. And he doesn't suffer fools. And that's the biggest thing. Most, quite frankly, and I'm probably part of that, most media guys are idiots. And especially <laughs> back in the 80s, newspaper guys were always trying to get you 
they were always trying to find something as opposed to just reporting the facts. And, and my guess is it's probably worse now, quite frankly. But Ed Kareem just didn't put up with that. So that's the reason he got a reputation of being standoffish. Well, but you know, he's incredibly intelligent. Look, look I, I mean, I have to tell you, I mean, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, like I said, I've been a Laker fan. You know, love, I love Kareem, like definitely for what he did on the court. But I mean, I'm also a guy that goes around and, and hangs around in a circle. Like I have a, I have a ball that has every Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm not every Hall of Famer. Everybody that's numbered, that's retired on the wall, except for Wilk Chamberlain, uh, I have signed on one ball. It's one of my prized possessions. But my, I could tell you the anxiety I had when I was trying to figure out how was I going to get Kareem's autograph because his reputation, you know, his public reputation is, even when I got Jamal Wilkes to sign my ball, I said, yeah, man, I got to get Kareem. And Jamal Wilkes told me good luck, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and 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 I remember the first interaction I had with him. Um, it was at a book signing, and 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 he took a picture with my daughter, and I was trying to get him to sign my ball. And when I tell you, he he ignored the fact the ball was sitting on the table right next to him, uh, uh, and I was like, wow, like he didn't even pay attention to it, and then. When I finally got my uh, autograph from him, it was a it was a signing that he did, and I was happy that he was. But I could tell you about this day, and it was really interesting to me. Everybody that was lining up, and everybody wanted Kareem's autograph, but we all were like, "Man, Kareem is he's kind of like a ho." Like that was the whole crowd, and while we was in line. But I could tell you the interesting thing about it was that day I got his autograph. Uh, I I had that picture that he had took, and I said, "Hey, man, you know, remember when you took a picture of my daughter?" He said, "Yeah, why you didn't let me take you take me with her?" And I was like, and we all laughed, and and we went away, and the, everybody after we they met him that day, and he signed the memorabilia. Everybody was like, "Oh man, Kareem was really cool today," you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so he's but, a cool guy. Yeah, but and, it, and if you talk intelligently with him, he speaks like four languages. Okay. Then, um, you know, he, he's a biblical scholar. He's a scholar on the Quran. Uh, he's he's just incredible. He's, he's a blessing he's to social media. Man as well. He really is. He's a blessing to social media because he'll he'll put out uh, very poignant posts here and there. Oh, yeah. On, on you know subject matters that that need uh, a voice and and he's always seems to be there for that so uh, yeah. he's, he's a very powerful voice and when he speaks hey, you met, you mentioned Jamal Wilkes you know yes. what made him into what made him unique in the NBA what's that you don't know well I mean I, mean, I want to hear your you I know we called him Silk he was smooth but I want to hear hear why you why you said that didn't make him unique. There were a lot of people who were who were a smooth. Jamal Wilkes was the only virgin in the NBA. Oh, <laughs> okay. True story. And 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 that preceded him. Everyone knew that at the time. Of right. Course. Yeah. Oh wow, my that's, goodness. The good that, old days. That's really interesting. Yeah. Especially very Christian. Very strong Christian. Very uh, his mother on top of him the whole time, making sure he lived. A, 
the proper wife, make sure he uh, took care of his money and uh, all the things he was supposed to do. So you're telling me he never, you couldn't catch him at the forum club then? <laughs> well. No, he wouldn't be at the forum club. That's another thing. The forum club wasn't the, the Playboy club that they make it out to be. Oh, it wasn't. Okay. I, I would love I would love to hear that because man, <clears throat> like, you know, when when we're out and you you know, things come out, they get embellished, you know, and and, and the stories they grow. Yeah. The fish gets larger each year. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, for what I understood, man, the, the the forum club, just even just growing up, you know, naturally, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of those years I was not eighteen or close to twenty one. So but you you were here like man the women the party and Michael Jackson coming in there and all the celebrities and and all these you know people well, yeah there were celebrities but they weren't I mean they they weren't taking their clothes off and that that kind of stuff and lap dancing and they that kind of stuff that HBO is showing oh okay <laughs> yeah it is quite graphic on HBO show that's for yeah, sure yeah ridiculous. Let me ask you this. At the time that Jerry Buss took over the team and uh, all the changes were taking place, uh, you were watching it from supposedly a neutral side as a sports broadcaster. You're local, you're Los Angeles, but of course you're supposed to stay somewhat neutral. Were you aware, was it quite obvious at the time how groundbreaking all of this was going to be and how iconic it was? It was obvious <laughs> at the start and, and right there. I was in the crowd the night the NBA changed. And I'll tell you what it was. It was the first game of Magic's career, an exhibition game in San Diego. And very close all the way. At the end of the game, Magic feeds Kareem, and Kareem hits a hook shot. Magic comes running up and jumps into Kareem's arms. Nobody had ever seen that. You know, players didn't act like that. They were professionals, didn't act like that. But that changed the whole vibe of the NBA because, and Kareem was like, whoa. But they made, they took that and turned it into Showtime. They turned that emotion and made it Showtime. So let me, let me ask you about that. So, I, I mean, even before this HBO Winning Time came out, I I heard that Magic didn't like that. Like, what are you doing? It's only game one. Okay. You know, you, you know, we, you know, these, you know, so we saw it. Kareem didn't out. like it. Yeah, Kareem. Kareem didn't like it. Yeah, Kareem didn't like it. So I yeah, heard that before we watched it on Winning Time. You know what I mean? So how accurate was the story that he was like, "Look, man, you rook. It's only one yeah. game." You know how. What was Kareem receptive to Magic? Um, because I mean, I yes, because Magic showed him how that was going to make him win. That was that was going to help him win. And Kareem is all about winning. Let's let's regress just a bit. Um, one thing that that I definitely learned now, uh, Paul West said we we had heard the name. We you know we we were young at the time. Um, that that was happening, 72 baby here, 75 right here. So a little bit young, but our parents were watching, our dads were watching, we knew something was going on. Um, but really, it, it would appear that the the first architect of Showtime is definitely, if I'm right, Jack McKinney, um, who we really, even as well-experienced and established Laker fans, 
didn't know as much about. Now that it seems like is is the portrayal and his influence on this team. Would you call that accurate so far? At least absolutely. Okay, great. Absolutely accurate. Okay, great. Because yeah, it's very interesting the way they portrayed that. Yeah, yeah, because you know that's the thing. Like I started googling, like who is Jack McKinney? Like I've heard the name. (laughs) But I, you know, because I knew it was Paul Westhead that won the first championship. And I knew he got replaced by Pat Riley. But I didn't know McKinney was even a part of it, you know. So that's that's, that's why, you know, that gives us a, the thing to be able to Google to find out, like, oh, he was the one that got him to be running. And then it seemed like Pat Riley just kind of perfected it, uh, you know, afterwards. And McKinney was the one that made magic, showed magic how to play every position. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 He he was very smart. Uh, let, let's go. We're we're gonna kind of as as we go through the story and and you know winning time. Uh, we're talking about the different. Uh, um, we'll call them characters for for lack of a better word. Um, Paul Westhead. We we brought up his name. Now now they've really made him out to look uh, extremely unconfident. Um, extremely uh, almost phobic to uh, coach a team on his own. Uh, I'd love to hear your take on ridiculous. that. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Ian Magic didn't get along because Westhead tried to slow it down a little bit and tried to, that was, that was part of the problem that he and Magic didn't, weren't on the same page. But he is, he was a very confident guy, very, very good coach, very good guy. So yeah, that's another one that they just they they're just tearing apart and unnecessarily. Okay, well let's go into Magic and and, and Nitsen. I know you know how upset was Nitsen. You know he was basically the man. You know you know and Magic came in there and took over his spot. And and was there that type of friction? Was it accurate or was it just you know this is just what happens when a new guy comes to town? No, Nixon was always knew his role. That's that's one of the things about the Lakers. They all knew their roles, every one of them. Okay. I mean, Cooper was a great player, but he knew he came off the bench. You know, yeah. The, the forwards knew where they were supposed to be. They played as a team, and they all knew and accepted their roles. That's what made it so special. Absolutely, Nixon was a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, because they make him out like you know he, he was he was jealous and and That's he was going to show him and and you know they had a game they had a game at the Playboy Mansion I think and so none of that to your knowledge never really happened. I don't. They may have had a game at the Playboy Mansion. I <clears throat> I used to go to parties there all the time, but I never saw a game there. That may have yeah. been. I don't know. There were other things going on though. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Those, were, those were great parties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody had to show up in night uh, nightwear. That is awesome. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. So, um, I think we need to take a break for one of our commercials, and then I think if you can hold tight, if you can hold tight, we'll be right back with you. We're going to come right back with Ted Dawson. We're just going to go ahead and take a break and give our sponsors some love. So uh, when we get back, we're going to continue talking about HBO's Winning Time and Ted Dawson. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Be sure to visit the Pure Life Alternative Wellness Center for all your 420 needs. They have everything from baby jeeters to stizzy cartridges, fuzzies, pre-rolls, great deals on eighths, raw garden diamonds, 
they have your gear. They have Papa and Barkley relief patches after a hard workout. You need those CBDs. You know that. They have plenty of edibles to choose from. Be sure to hit up the Pure Life Alternative Wellness Center. Vanity Nation is now the official podcast of the Los Angeles Lakers fan club on Clubhouse. Be sure to join over 5,000 strong and growing. Also, text Lakers to 22828 for a chance to win a free t-shirt. Again, text Lakers to 22828 for a chance to win a free t-shirt. You guys for sticking around. This is the Profanity Nation podcast. Again, we are the voice of the professional fan. And today we are joined here by very special guest, Ted Dawson. And we are breaking down the myths, fact or fiction, HBO's winning time. Uh, let's just get right back into it, Ted. Well, first of all, you know what's amazing, guys? I just noticed your commercial for your studio there. Yes. You have better equipment than we used to have at ABC. Oh, awesome. Well, well, thank you very much. We tried. I really appreciate it. But you guys got a lot done with that equipment. Uh, and we're trying to do the same here. But yeah, you guys really accomplished a lot uh, in those days. That's for sure. Um, you know what? In fact, let's, let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about your career. And then we'll get back into winning time, please. Because okay. uh, you've sent some photos and uh, they're going to be shown here. Uh, in a bit, but uh, uh, bring us through a little bit. Uh, some of the pictures uh, that we have here, if I uh, see correctly, is that with uh, Mr. Vince Lombardi? Yeah, I was actually the post in the post game interviews for CBS for the very first Super Bowl game in 1967. Uh, it was it was kind of a quirk. Uh, I was a sportscaster in Reno, Nevada, and the NFL, as maybe you know, could not sell out the game, and they didn't want to make it look like it was an empty stadium. So they invited anybody with a Kodak camera and a recognizable heartbeat to come to the game and cover it. So uh, my boss and I, our news, news director, we flew down uh, to cover the game. And I was sitting next uh, to the uh, 49er broadcaster, uh, the San Francisco 49er broadcaster. And after the game, he asked me if I'd like to go to the dressing room. I said, sure. So I got in there, and there was such a crush, and Vince Lombardi would let you in. So uh, he didn't care who you were, but nobody got into the dressing room. But uh, Pat Summerall, the, uh, the CBS announcer, was stuck outside way behind this massive group of, of uh, press guys. 
So Lombardi opens the door. We all come in. I was, I happened to be standing right next to Lombardi. Summerall couldn't come in. So, so somebody from CBS handed me the mic and told me to do the post-game interviews. So oh, wow. <laughs> I, I ended, doing, ended up doing the post-game interviews on uh, the first Super Bowl. That is and, so incredible. And you didn't work for CBS, right? You worked for a whole I worked for a CBS station in okay. Reno. Oh, so you were okay. an affiliate. Oh, okay, so at least you were an affiliate. Yeah. yeah right. So you that's listen, awesome. But you know, you yeah. were at the right place at the right time. So you got yep. the questions and, and and man, that's that's amazing. And now we see yep. where the NFL is gone. And you're you were there at the beginning. How how does that feel though? Like, you know, obviously. We had uh, it out here in L.A. I actually had an opportunity to work the halftime show. I saw major, major production, you know, fanfare. They they made us put tape all over our cameras and nothing could get leaked out. And you and it, it, it was almost on tape delay when you did it, huh? There was a there was a high school band was <laughs> the uh, halftime entertainment. Wow. That is so incredible. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't even sold out, right? It was at the college. No. That's it was funny. not sold out. Was the game entertaining, at least? Oh, yeah. It was very entertaining. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Gotcha. And actually, that in Kansas City. Yeah. That did wonders for the league. Absolutely. Right. Um, and then it wasn't uh, called the Super Bowl. What did they call it at that point? The AFL NFL Championship. Okay. Oh, it wasn't awesome. until year three that they called it the Super Bowl. And a, a sports writer in Los Angeles is the first guy who called it the Super Bowl. I've been in the the term Super Bowl. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's amazing. That's amazing history because I didn't know anything uh, about that at all. But I, I, I know yeah. you've had a great a whole lot of interactions with Muhammad Ali and other players, right? People. I'm sorry. I know. I know you've you've interviewed uh, many great people like. Uh, also, uh, in in your career in, in broadcasting, such yeah, as yeah, I, I actually broadcast the fight, the first fight that uh, Ali did after he was suspended against Jerry Quarry. Yeah, so uh, I got to do that, and, and I got to do a lot of Ali fights because uh, first of all, he and I were friends, and uh, he was another one that I really enjoyed being around. A guy who was very knowledgeable and. Uh, just fun, just really fun to be around. Really fun. Did you have uh, uh, interactions at all with Will Will Chamberlain? I did. I'll I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. I'm from Kansas. I grew up on a farm in Kansas, and I, I got to meet Will when he was at the University of Kansas. So uh, my dad took me up, and and I was just a little guy, about nine years old. And uh, Will lifted me up and, and let me dunk a ball. <laughs> oh, wow. That's incredible. And then, of course, we, we hung out a little in Los Angeles, but he was in a little different crowd than I, than I was. I was a happily married with children. I understand. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, so <laughs> so let, we, we know what he said. You know, you, you would imagine it's probably true with how many, with, with what he put 20,000? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tried I to do the math. On that. I was too exhausted. I was like, "Oh, I can't do it." <laughs> that was just too much to even trying to do the math. <laughs> so yeah. 
I don't know how that happened, but uh, yeah, the stories for uh, about Wilt that we hear uh, from people, you know, just from the, uh, you know, that's one of the luxuries of the show. We get to communicate with people just like yourself and hear these stories from people that were there. It just seems like Wilt was just a uh, outrageous character, but but an extremely nice guy. Uh, extremely nice guy and strong. Oh my goodness, he was incredibly strong. There was a guy named Perry O'Brien. Mm-hmm. who was an Olympic shot putter, who was also from Kansas. And uh, Will could actually uh, art wrestle him. That's how strong he was. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think one of my favorite stories is uh, by your buddy Roy Firestone, where he talks about how uh, he came in, did an interview with Roy, and then he said, I got to get something for my time. So he picked up a TV, put it on the shoulder, and just walked out, <laughs> you know. And... and, and I, you know, now thinking of that, these little flat screen TVs, but I remember those yeah, picture, they were, tube, they were those picture two uh, TVs probably needed two people to pick those up. So the idea of oh. him taking it and putting it on the shoulder is it, it, just so funny, hilarious to me. I'll, I'll tell you a story about Roy Firestone. Roy was my weekend sportscaster when I was at CBS. Okay. And he had come from Miami. And one of his first stories was Casey Stingles. Uh, uh, funeral and after Casey had died and he lived in Glendale, California. So he goes out to cover the funeral and we never see him again. Roy never comes back with a story. (laughs) And finally the next day he shows up and he has a fantastic story. But, you know, in the news business, you're supposed to have it on that day. (laughs) So they always said about Roy is, you know, you can send him out to cover a game, but you wouldn't have it back for three days. Uh, <laughs> if you got it back, it would be a hell of a story. So. Great. It would be so, great. So was the story at least good, though? It, it was the good story story. was always good. He always oh, yeah. had great stories. Definitely. Yeah, I love his stories. I can listen to him all day. Yeah. Now, now, I remember, you know, my memories growing up, uh, hearing in the background were uh, ABC's wild, Wide World of Sports. Uh, that was just, it would play all weekend. Uh, it would bounce from sport to sport to sport. Sure. Did you ever have any interaction with that? Oh, yeah. I did the up close and personal stories. There you go. So yeah. uh, that probably took you all over the place and you met yeah. people from all uh, all sorts of athletes from every different sport because that was really amazing. I did. You know, the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Yep. The agony of defeat guy was actually from uh, Yugoslavia, and he was a guy that I met during the, uh, the 1984 Olympic Games. And it turns out he wasn't even hurt. In fact, competed the next day. Oh, oh wow! It looked like a terrible accident. He wasn't even hurt. Yeah, that's uh, that that is uh, seared in our minds as yeah. children. That is a core memory: the agony of defeat, and you see him just spinning right. and cartwheeling on skis. Right. Uh, to anybody of a younger generation, go YouTube the agony of defeat. Right. So let me ask you about that. How did he feel about him being a commercial? <laughs> I know they. Well, probably- I mean, I, I never really talked to him because he he spoke Yugoslavian. But, oh, okay. Um, he was. Yes. You know, he's a happy guy, and he, you know, he seemed fine. He seemed fine, exactly. That's funny because I, yeah, I remember that. Like, we was like, oh, 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 you know, Uh, yeah, he completely. 
Yeah, that was great stuff. Um, how, how do you feel, uh, you know, going back to there, the ABC wide world of sports, how do you feel sports coverage uh, has changed? And we'll just say, you know, uh, has it changed? And if so, do you kind of like the way that it's evolved? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm not a big fan of ESPN. I think they're way too opinionated. Uh, uh, to me, opinions should be on shows like this. Uh where not just so-called experts get to, to uh, make all the commentary. Uh, it ought to be a, a, a chance to show sports instead of all the political stuff. Interestingly enough, I was offered the very first uh, uh, anchor job on ESPN. I was going to be the, the host for Sports Center, And I said... <laughs> There's no way I'm going to go to a cable station. I'm not going to leave LA for a, a cable show. It's going to last a year and I'll be out of work. <laughs> so it shows how much I know. Oh, that's okay. Everyone's still uh, getting over the Magic Johnson passing on Nike and taking Converse. Right. <laughs> so so I think I think that's the biggest blunder. Uh, and what Shaq said, nobody drinks coffee when Starbucks approached him, right? Yeah. <laughs> everybody's entitled to one right yeah exactly so um but uh you know um getting back now to winning time and lakers if we could uh let's get right back to magic johnson as a matter of fact uh you yeah. know meantime does show uh the relationship that magic johnson and jerry jerry bus shared and it, it did seem that it was quite close it did seem it was very close it was a almost a father son relationship there, um, and, and it seems to me that 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 would lend credence to your opinion and your thoughts that Jerry Buss wasn't just a you know out there womanizing and and this and that didn't know what he was doing. Uh, it would appear that he actually helped guide and shape uh, Magic's uh, business career at least quite. Oh, a no bit. question about it. I'll tell you another thing. You know, Magic became. The head of the team, everybody knew that Magic was was the guy. He was the guy that ran the team. But Magic was smart enough to always kind of include the team. So if we would go in for post game uh, news conferences or interviews or stuff, Magic would always make sure we talked to Kareem first. He would always always point towards Kareem, that it was Kareem's team. And Magic was very smart like that. He was he was very yeah. aware on how to keep uh, right. the egos, I guess, in place and, and how to yeah. solve those. No, I, I, have yeah. a, I have another question, too, about winning time, which I which uh, they, they, they're portraying. I mean, we all we obviously know Jerry Buss had kids, you know, Jer, you know, Jimmy and and you know uh, Jesse and all these others, but they're only highlighting Genie, right? Show Jeannie. And, and they're or, or they're only showing Genie, you know. Unless you know, we haven't seen the whole thing yet, so maybe they may come later later on. But it, it's I, I, I thought that I felt that to be kind of strange because I know that his other you know sons were involved in. And they they actually had other they had a hockey team or like you know they were all it seemed like that they I feel my perception is prior to this that all of his children were around and but in this it looks like only Jenny's around 
Is that what where where his other well, around also? All Genie was the one that sold it to HBO. Oh, and, and they and the first, and they made uh, Jerry's mother look out like she was an idiot. Yes, which she wasn't. I guarantee you. So, I, you know, I don't. I, I wasn't around for the later years. So, okay. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that that Genie was the one that sold it to HBO. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, that's all idea. So maybe that's why she's so uh, a part of it at that point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because I, I, I said, well, I mean, so did you? I mean, I, I know you. You did, did you see where his sons around at all? You know, doing. It, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So it, it, so that is that's very interesting that we're only seeing not only um, none of his other children around. But we're only seeing Jeannie Boss's perception. Perspective on her side. Wow, that's 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 very interesting. That is interesting. That is, that is. Um, I would imagine just because of your history uh in LA, uh that that and and just the Lakers being the Lakers that you've monitored, you've kept an eye on them, you know what they've done, what they've gone through and so forth. Um, what, what were, what were your thoughts or did you have any, when it was the, the Jimmy bus versus Jeannie bus sort of power struggle that seemed to be going on at that time? You know, I'd been out of it for so long at that point that I didn't really have any thoughts about it. I, I just knew that Jerry would be very upset about it because the Lakers were his life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. I can see how it was. It would definitely be frustrating for him, especially since, you know, like I didn't realize, you know, I knew he he had to sell uh, um, um, some of his real estate to Donald Sterling in order to be able to afford the team. And then, you know, Donald Sterling got upset, so he bought the Clippers. But, <laughs> you know, but I didn't realize. Oh, no, no, there is a jerk. A <laughs> jerk. Oh, Don, Sterling. Don Sterling is? Okay, that's a whole oh, other show. show. We got to have you back to hear about Sterling. Yeah. But, but, but I didn't realize, because they portray him to be, like, broke, broke, you know, like, it, 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 as far as Jerry Buss. Um, what, th- did you have any knowledge or were you privy to to the struggle or that all kind of no. was hidden? I don't believe that for a minute. Okay. I don't. Yeah, yeah, because you know what, I, 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 I wonder like if that was kind of hidden and he was just putting on the persona, like everything was like okay, you know. Yeah, as far as I knew. Yeah, See, a lot of people don't know the Lakers weren't Jerry Buss's first team. Yeah, did you guys know that? Yeah, yeah, I knew, I knew that about Jerry Buss. Yeah, what was his? He, he owned oh. a world team tennis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry. I was their broadcaster. That's where I met. Oh, okay. Him. That's where you met him for. So, so then you, you, with that, so that predated his purchase of the Lakers at that time. Yes. Okay. So then you definitely he actually announced the Lakers uh, purchase on my show on ABC. Oh wow! See that? So yeah. Very neat. Very neat. Historic. Historic. Absolutely. Yeah. This is this has just been great stuff. Um, now uh, we do know that Magic Johnson is working on his own uh, show or series. Now that's going to oh, portray yes. the the same uh, era, and he's going to tell it, I guess, from his point of view. 
So we would absolutely love if once that comes out, if we could have you back on the show <laughs> and we could kind of do a comparison and a talk and see uh, uh, what Magic's doing and uh, uh, how that comes across. I'm 78 years old, so if I'm still alive, you got it. Oh, you're going to no. be here. Oh, yeah. I think it actually premieres. Um, well, by the time the show's there, definitely it, it would have premiered. <laughs> You'll uh, be around. Uh, and I, it, the only problem is, you know, this is what this is what I don't like. This is my own opinion. Everything is on a different network. So this is going to be on Apple TV. So you have to have Apple TV. Uh, I have Apple TV, so. Uh, yeah. You'll be able to watch it. So HBO, yeah. Apple TV. Right. And- so you have to sign up to everything, man. It, it, it's so <laughs> great. But, yeah, it gets you know, expensive. But but you know I, I I guess that really kind of poses the question when when you are the one that's producing the content that you're distributing out, um, how much you know time like how much are you really going to show anything negative about yourself? You know right like so like like you said today you know I didn't know that Jeannie was one of so you know, uh, uh, the into HBO. So I see how Jeannie is. She's, she's marvelous. She's, she's, she's there ah. and she's behind the scenes and she's so she's innocent <laughs> and, and she just throws out the idea and it gets ignored, but then they, then that's the greatest idea that she has. And, you know, and so I, I they not showing anything negative about Jeannie. Not that I say that there is anything negative to show, but I wonder, is that going to be the same thing like with Magic? Like, is Magic going, how much is he going to reveal about himself? Just not to bash him, obviously, but, you know, yeah. everybody has flaws. So, you know. Well, I mean, Magic, Magic's life has been way past the Lakers. I mean, the right. things Magic has done is, are incredible. And, and way more than the championships he won. Look at yeah. what he's done for parts of Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. his yeah. involvement in the Dodgers, other teams now, everything in LA, absolutely the theaters, uh, yeah. so much. Yeah, and, and imagine, look, now he's he's a guy, you know, uh, uh, that listen. If you see him, him on the street and it's twenty people that wants to say hi to him, high five him, shake his hand, get an autograph, he's gonna wait behind, you know, and, he's and sign everybody. Yeah, and, and so you know, yeah, I mean, but that's just him. And what I've uh, what I've learned, you know, even like I said, even the story where I told you about Kareem and and the other different players I've seen, they all have a right to have their own uh, uh, personality and don't have to be as friendly as like Magic would be versus like you know Kareem or Jamal Wilch is cool. You know, I I, I think James all- Worthy. Nobody talks about James Worthy. He was an incredible player. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Worthy. I love Worthy. I, uh, you know, he was he was like one of my second favorite players too on, on, on during the Showtime era, because I mean, yeah. uh, uh, no, that that first step, man, nobody could get past him at the time, man. He was and who's the guy? Uh, my Alzheimer's is a bear, but uh, the, the the played a white guy that played forward. Oh, oh, Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis, yeah, you're the guy who knew his place. I mean, he he couldn't score at an empty gym, but he he was. Defense. I saw him. Oh, I mean, he he's, he destroyed Celtics one night, but rebounding and protecting Kareem, uh, he was awesome. He was just an incredible player. Yeah, he well, like you said, uh, uh, sticking to your role, and well, that's what made him awesome. Well, and look, and look, that's what I really hate about like you know today's game. 
is that that they don't construct teams like that anymore. Positionless. You know, you know, they 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 construct teams. I call them name brand players. They want to get a whole lot yeah. of name brand players versus getting players that know how to uh you know play their role. Like so we already have a ball handler, you know. So let's get somebody who can shoot. Okay, great. We already have somebody that can shoot. Let's get somebody who can rebound. You know, like they've really the construction of teams back in the 80s and the 90s was way better than it is now. Now we just kind of just throw everything together and hope it works and sticks. So yeah, I, I, look I, how bad the ratings are. Look how bad how the ratings have tanked since they it's did true. That. Yeah, it's true. It shows. Well, yeah, right, because it makes for not very good basketball as a whole. You know what I mean? Like you only have a couple of teams versus, you know, back then everything not was much way parody. more – yeah, everything was way more uh, competitive. I feel by back in the, back in the day, and and I like the and, and I'll ask you about this. I love the um, the the hero and the villain. Uh, you know, in back in the eighties, you you had you know the hero and the villain. You somebody you know we we hated the Celtics. Uh, and we didn't oh. even wear green, and, and and I and I and and. Or Detroit bad boys, or Detroit bad boys, like you know the 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 character of these people. Either you hated them or you loved them, and now like this, everything is just so. None of that is 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 in this game today, and I wish they kind of would go back. Like you gotta love everybody. You gotta like people on the Celtics now, like and everybody hugs at the end of the game. Everyone's a friend. Yeah, (laughs) nobody. You know they all go on vacation on yachts. But they were never like Magic and Bird. We know that they never, um, they never, liked never each liked each other until they had to go do a commercial together, and they realized that they had some, um, you know, some things in common. But when when they, played, I don't think they like each other now. They <laughs> respect each other, but I don't believe they respect. like each other. Respect's probably the right word. You're absolutely right. Well, let me tell you a story. Can I tell you one final story? I don't know. Uh, we are on time, but. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'd love to hear you. Know, the Lakers are playing the Celtic finals. And the Lakers had won the first two games at home pretty handily. And so we're all talking about a four-game sweep and all this sort of thing. So we all go back to Boston. And I was not a network broadcaster. I was just covering it for KABC TV at the time. So they put all of us, us local broadcasters, on a little – uh, kind of a crow's nest sort of thing. You had to you had to uh, uh, get down on your knees and crawl through this space under the stands and and go under this crow's nest that was about oh maybe fifty feet above the court. Okay, so we were in there and Jack Nicholson was in there with us. So we're all you know Nicholson was was yelling waving at everybody uh, four straight all this kind of stuff. So now the Celtics win by like thirty. I mean, they just crushed the Lakers. And afterwards, you know, the whole crowd is giving Nicholson the finger and yelling every cuss where you could hear. Nicholson turns around and drops his pants. Oh, wow. And moons all the Celtics. And you'd have thought we were going to, I I didn't think we were going to get out alive. Because <laughs> we had that through the crowd. I mean, it was unbelievable trying to get out. I love. Oh, it. I love that story. That is so. <laughs> you know what? That that is perfect to end with. Well, I want to add one more oh question. Oh my goodness! Oh, sorry. Okay, one more. 
I gotta ask you about Red Auerbach. Was he as much of a hated person <laughs> as 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 we I think so? Yeah, I I didn't know him real well, but yeah, everything yeah. I heard. Yeah, because you know, I, I I love obviously the the progressiveness that he brought into the game. You know, with me bringing Bill Russell and play like that. But I just, you know, him smoking a cigar on, you know, it, you know, yeah. when the uh, the Celtics would win. That that arrogance just 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 drove me crazy. It, it would drive me crazy now if I watch old videos. But he, before I know you say they know him very well, but he was that arrogant, huh? See, in those days, I mean, guys would would smoke at halftime. You know, you you know they'd be drinking it. Have you know? <laughs> yeah, it was nowhere near the kind of shape they're in now. So uh, it's it's way different. I know. Yet injuries are up these days. That's the crazy thing. That's what I don't understand so much. Well, because guys are so much bigger. That too. That too. They are. They they have carry much more weight. That's what that's what we talk about yeah. here. As a matter of fact. Again, Ted, thank you so much for joining us here on the Profanity. Hey, thank you. Happy Mother's Day. This has been amazing. Thank you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Mother's Day. Money Mike, Jeff Sims, Step Pat, who couldn't be with us today, but is here in spirit, had some questions. We all thank you so much. Thank you, Ted. As soon as the magic comes. Hey, I want to be paid for my time, so I'm going to pick up a TV and walk out. Absolutely, with it. that's okay. fair. That's it. You had to tell him that story. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you had to tell him that story. Hey, hey, we have about four or five of them. Man, pick one. You yeah, can have it. yeah. <laughs> well, we'll definitely send you a shirt. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Thank so you, guys. Continue we'll profane nation memorabilia. Definitely wear some gear. You know, God bless. Time. Definitely, I want to watch the magic. I want to see uh, what your thoughts are about that. You know, because, I mean, it's really, really interesting. I mean, I, you obviously got to glamorize stuff, but you want to be as close to, to the, see truth the truth as possible. So, you know, the, thank you for all the insight that you gave us today. We thank you so much, Ted. Thank you thank again. Thank you, guys. God bless. Yeah, all God right. bless you. You have a good one. Thank you, Ted. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. All right. That was excellent, man. That was so, so Ted Dawson bringing it as it is. He was there. Yeah. Telling us, telling us the truth, telling us that a lot of it was, it's just not real. It's uh, uh, overblown. It's yeah. exaggerated I, for Jeannie. I didn't know Jeannie sold it. So I, I did not know that. Well, because we were talking about like where, you know, are, are the sons. Well, now I know why the sons aren't there, right? And why she's being portrayed as she is. Yeah, yeah. Which is, listen, do. I love Jeannie Buss. Don't get, don't get me wrong about that. But it, 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 I just like the truth. And I, and I love how he said it wasn't as, <laughs> it wasn't that wild. It, you know, he said it was wild, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't was that wild. wild in the form club. So they, they've blown it up a little Nor, bit. Norm Nixon didn't play basketball with Magic. <laughs> had to play with Magic. Maybe, maybe it did. Maybe it did. <laughs> maybe. But, but <laughs> you know, uh, maybe it wasn't. But they. But in the end, um, you know, the 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 blessing or the talent of that squad was, as Ted brought it, was that each player knew their role, stuck to their role, and did it to with a hundred and ten percent. And uh, that resulted in Showtime Lakers. That resulted in championships and the history that we now know and love and just uh, brought us to the point where we were finally able to, with those added up, finally able to tie the Boston Celtics at 17 championships. Yeah. Thank, thank you, uh, Frank Vogel, who no longer with 
the Lakers. No longer with the Lakers, <laughs> but that's okay. Thank I'm going to give you. Frank Vogel the credit, though. Good. Yeah. Shout Thank- out to Frank Vogel. Thanks, dog. <laughs> we appreciate it. All right, everybody. So this has been a great Mother's Day. We're going to go ahead and keep you up to date with everything else. You know where to find us. This is the Profanity Nation podcast. We're live every Sunday night starting at 8.30 p.m. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook, and you know how to follow us as to what's going on on Instagram and so forth. But right now, what we want you to do is we want you to go say hi to your mom, give her a kiss, even if you already did. Say Happy Mother's Day from the Profanity Nation podcast, and we'll be talking yeah, to you later. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Have a good one.